Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Work It, the podcast all about entrepreneurship, hosted by me, journalist Angelica Malin, in collaboration with WorkLife. In season two of Work It, I'm chatting to some of the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the UK, from e-commerce wizards to retail experts, all about their secret recipe for success. If you don't already know, WorkLife has eight amazing co-working spaces across the UK, which provide a unique workspace experience designed around you and your team's happiness. They also have delicious free snacks, which I can personally vouch for. Don't forget to follow at work.life to find out more about WorkLife spaces and book in a free trial day at work.life. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Katie Leeson, MD of Social Chain, and Robert Donovan, CEO of Charlie HR. We talk about influencer marketing, how to work as an agency, and how to grow and inspire your team. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. episode of Work It, I am joined by the wonderful Robert Donovan, your CEO of Charlie HR, and Casey Leeson, MD of Social Chain. Thank you for joining me, guys. Thank you. So we're going to be chatting today about founding a company, about growing a company, and the journey of growth. You obviously both do relatively different things, so if you could tell us a little bit about the companies that you run. Rob, starting with you. Uh, so I run a company called Charlie HR. We're an HR platform for small businesses. So we're designed to try and help small companies to create amazing places for their employees to work. Fantastic. How are you, Katie? Cool. Um, yeah, I'm MD of Social Chain. Social Chain is a global media social media marketing agency. Um, we've got five offices across the world. Um, it's actually four years old today. It's our birthday today. So happy birthday! We've gone back. So we've gone from a small group of university dropouts to over I think we've got over 700 people now wow so that growth is crazy fast very fast growth yeah Yeah. well we're going to chat about that for sure um so what were your your journeys into what you're doing now Rob I know you've uh, run several companies in the past and you own the group 11 which kind of helps companies grow Mm -hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so I mean our background was in agencies so so we spent I guess the best part of five or six years building agency businesses and where uh, as you guys will be only too familiar, right? Agencies are only people. That's all it is. You're just yeah. like talent and selling time. And it was a real kind of start realization to us when we were starting to build companies, just how important people were. Mm-hmm. And also how much of an impact it made if you created an environment where they could really do their best work and you could hire the best people um, and enable them to make progress. So for us, that was really the genesis of understanding two things. One, like how to build companies and two, just how passionate we were about people in businesses. Mm-hmm. So that led to us then starting Charlie. We thought, how do we take some of these learnings and help them to apply 
uh, to hundreds, maybe millions of businesses all around the world and help them to make progress and become really great places to work and, and shorten their odds of success. And how about you, Katie? How did you come about the business? Um, I started at Social Chain two years ago, so I've been there for half of its lifetime. Um, I've traditionally worked in um, all-school media, so I used to buy press um, advertisements and radio advertisements and then moved into more of a new business and marketing role within Agency Life. Then Social Chain kind of popped on my radar um, and I moved there. And it's kind of gone from there, really. But the company was founded by Steve and Dom. Um, Steve dropped out of uni after one lecture and he had a company called Wallpark, which was like a gumtree for students that was kind of doing okay and they were trying to get people onto the website using social media profiles um, and that's how he met Dom, the co-founder of Social Chain. So Dom had started a page called Student Problems whilst he was in uni. He uh, went out on a night out and unlike any normal person, ran out of toilet paper and instead of going to go and buy new toilet paper, started tweeting about the fact that they'd run out and then quickly, very quickly, Student Problems started gaining thousands and thousands of followers and then they realized there was a real power in the number of followers that these pages had that kids were starting in their bedrooms and also getting those onto the website for Wallpark. What they did then was sell Wallpark back to the investors and then started putting brands onto the social pages. Mm. So there was a, a link there between New Wave. It, it seems fairly obvious now that social media can drive website visits and sales, but at the time it was fairly new. So then four years on that's where... So would they buy out these pages? They hired them. So we hired the people that created the pages. So the authenticity and the original content always stayed part of the company. So kind of acting as a broker for companies, for brands and for influencers, basically? Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. And in terms of growth, I mean, you've worked, Rob, a lot in, in companies and growing them, and obviously social chain has grown so quickly. What do you think are some of the key um, things that stop companies growing, and what have you found really helps them grow? I think that, I mean, the really common one is to think about the inflection point. So when, when you're super small and you're like five or six people, you can tend to grow very fast because communication is very simple. You all sit around a table that's not much bigger than this and you work all day and, and it, there seems to be uh, a lack of complexity you don't realize even exists until you get a bit bigger. And then I think people think, people seem to realize that like 12 to 15 people, that starts to break down and suddenly, uh, communication becomes this massive thing. We always thought we were really good communicators and then suddenly you get in a room with a few more people and you're like you actually need to make a real effort to understand what's going on in the business mm. and then you get to 30 people and, and, and different companies have different inflection points throughout throughout their journeys but definitely with um, people the entire structure of organisation changes mm. I think the entire way you have to think about how to communicate and how to run and build your company changes enormously. So the, basically, the larger it gets, the harder it is to communicate, I suppose, internally and actually get things kind of efficient. I just think the bigger you get, the more overhead there is in actually just keeping the company moving forward. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't realise that as they grow. A lot of people kind of assume that, you know, you need to do more stuff, so you need to hire more people. Um, but there's diminishing returns to every extra person. Mm. And so it's really important to work out how you're building the company in a way where... You can scale with people and you can scale with clients or customers or whatever it is um, and still manage to maintain momentum and not have a slow you down. Mm. And Katie, what have you seen in terms of growth? Obviously, social chain has grown so quickly. What are some of the mistakes that can happen along the way? I think for us, what we've been really cautious of and what I've personally been really cautious of is not to over-process creativity. We're a very creative business and one of the reasons why we get a lot of press and PR and a lot of our clients is because we do things out of the ordinary and we can be a little bit disruptive. So for us, it's been not 
overly processed to stop and stunt that creative flair and flow. Um, I've worked in big corporations and now with social chain. And I think the thing that stops us, stops growth is the fact that time with, with processes, time just makes things so much slower and then things don't actually end up happening. Mm. So the one thing as we've grown is keeping that nimbleness and making sure that we can continue to push the boundaries and test new things and keep developing mm. um, without the process blocking slowing blocking down yeah. yeah becoming that kind of red tape yeah. admin side yeah. of the corporate world what are some of the kind of crazier things that your company's done oh what have we done we've done all sorts um in terms of campaigns we've blown up cars for live streams we um we've launched new tools which i'm sure we'll talk about um to try and disrupt the industry um there's loads of stuff we've done we've done some stuff when um Zlatan joined Manchester United and we did some stuff around that so it's very disruptive PR experiential campaigns that we've done before but it's also pushing the boundaries on what social is because social changes every day what we do is we've got teams that are constantly innovating and finding new tools and new techniques that enable us to then take things to brands to test new things and try new things out Um, in terms of teams and building the right team that's obviously crucial to a business what advice do you have um, for building and growing a team and for managing them that's a big question yeah it's a big question I think um, one of the things that we've really learned is to define your some people call them values we call them behaviours like super early on in the process helps you understand who you're trying to look for helps you understand and explain to people what expectations that you want from people as you grow and I think if you if you want to try and hire an incredibly diverse range of mindsets and, and different perspectives and different backgrounds, it gives everyone something at the center to cling on to and understand where to go. So we have kind of four uh, behaviors which we cling to, which are all driven around high performance. So our whole culture is around how do we enable people to be their absolute best. Um, and everything sits around those within the business and helps us to manage things going forward. So I think often people don't do it early enough. Even mm-hmm. if you're really small, I still think it's a really valuable thing to add to you. So is that like defining core values of the business? Is that the kind of idea? Yeah, it's. but I think it's more than core values. It's, it's about actually how you behave. So values like integrity become these ephemeral things people stick on walls mm-hmm. that don't necessarily demonstrate what does that look like and what does that need to uh, play out within the business. Mm-hmm. So we try to focus specifically on what behaviours look like. So it's really easy to understand and really easy to work out when you're in the right zone and when you're not. Mm. Have you had a lot of experience with hiring people and then it just not working out, like just getting the wrong fit? I think everyone has. I'd be surprised if there are businesses that manage to hire the whole way through and get it right the whole time. And I don't always think that's because of the person you're hiring. It's often because the company isn't right for them in the same in the same breath. So um, yeah, lots of experience getting it wrong, lots of experience getting it right. And um, I guess over its time and over experience, you start to hone what works and what doesn't, specifically mm. for your organisation. Mm. Have you found the kind of the growth element of the team with social chain? Um, culture is the most important thing, and it's at the heart of everything we do. So whenever we hire, we make sure we hire on culture, culture first. I think we see a lot of CVs. Some people have worked in industry for a long time. Some people are very overqualified for the roles that we're hiring for. But if they don't fit with the culture of the rest of the team, mm-hmm. then it just won't work. We know it won't work. So mm-hmm. we've got it down to fine art now that if someone comes in and we think that it'd either be disruptive or not fit with the rest of the culture... Um, um, they don't go any further and we don't hire on that basis. Because you've got a remarkably young 
team yeah. that work in the office. How is that? Like, does that really add a, a creativity element or does it mean that people need a bit more managing? Um, it's definitely adds creativity. I think what we've managed to do in the last few years that I've been there is add on the young element where we can drive that creativity and that social media understanding, but also um, hire uh, for people who've got experience, but it's definitely a mindset. That's what I like to say, because I'm obviously the top end of the age bracket for social change. But um, so, yeah, it's definitely hiring a mindset of that culture and people who are going to fit in and get on and enjoy working. On the topic of mindset, if you are thinking of launching your own company or going to work for a startup um, like you do, what kind of mindset do you think you need to have individually, like as an entrepreneur or as someone that wants to work in a startup? What kind of mindset do you think you need to take? I think the the biggest the people that succeed the most in these environments I think are people that have growth at, uh, at the front of their mind. They're the people that really want to learn more about themselves, develop their own skills, and become the very best person they can be. And I think startups and, and sort of small, fast-growing companies can be really difficult, terrifying places if you're not willing to embrace that discomfort and if you're not super eager to find out the bits about you that don't quite work and want to fix them. So I think um, people tend to succeed are ones that really want to grow and, mm. and really want to see every opportunity as a way to become better and become world-class at what they do. Mm. Would you agree with that? Completely agree. I think for us, it's all about curiosity and learning. And I think that's why I joined Social Chain. It's because I constantly want to keep learning. And I think with a startup, there's so many opportunities to learn because there's so many new things to take on. So yeah, for me, it's all about someone who's really willing to take on new challenges and learn and also be a bit of a self-starter as well. Because there's quite a lot of opportunity to take on new things within the company. Um, sometimes our best ideas come from junior members of staff who've just got a bright spark of an idea. Um, so, yeah, it's just having that sort of self-starter capability to bring new things to the table. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose for a lot of people working your company, it'll be their first job um, out of uni. I think that's a really great age to be at because before you've been in like a corporate environment that's kind of like crushed your ideas and crushed your creativity, you're still full of it. So that's a, it's a great age to, to work in a company like that. Yeah, 100%. We get some fantastic ideas from people because of that, because they've never had an experience of being in a yeah, or not told no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't normally blow up cars. Yeah. They, probably don't, they probably don't know that. Um, Rob, you've launched a lot of companies um, in, in the years that you've been running the 11. What would your advice be to someone who's thinking about launching their own business? Perhaps what kind of questions should they be asking themselves before launching? I think that one of the things that I talk to a lot of people about who want to start a company is to go and work in a small company before you do. Like, I think it's... Uh, you often find people want to start companies and they go and work in one and they're like this is mental mm. like I don't, I don't actually want to be a founder this is ridiculous like I, I want to be a part of a small business they find they can get a lot of what they want not necessarily from starting something but from being a part of that journey mm. I think that's really interesting and the other thing I see a lot is people who haven't really thought about the kind of life they want to live and what they actually want to do like different kinds of businesses lead down very different paths like you can be building these huge billion dollar dreams and it's a very different um, working lifestyle to building something else which you're passionate about in a different context and I think it's really easy to get stuck in this cycle you launch a company because you want to start a company without thinking what it might look like in the future Mm. and then two years in you're stuck uh, in a business which you built and which is yours and part of that journey is amazing but you're not actually enjoying yourself Mm. I think there's a lot of thought that needs to go into what you actually want your life to be like before you start a company because it's tough Mm. and it's amazing if you get that decision right 
Um, but if you start the wrong kind of business, I think you can end up in a really difficult place and sometimes feel quite trapped and isolated. Mm. Also, depending on your responsibility level, I think it's easier to start a company if you're straight out of university or just after your first job. But if you've got more responsibility on you are slightly older, these decisions aren't so easy to make and they might just not be the right thing. So I suppose that is, that is useful advice to go and go and try it first and see if you like it. Mm. It's very weird working in a startup. I mean, it's just not a normal existence most of the time. Um, where do you think most offices go wrong in terms of company culture um, obviously with Charlie HR you're trying to build something that's a more kind of flexible approach with with the software that you provide allowing companies to be a bit more efficient is that is that the idea? Yeah I think culture is this such, such like a nebulous term I find it really difficult to hang my hat on and there's so many people that um, talk about it in so many different ways and I think the biggest myth is that there's a, a, a right or wrong or a, or a good or a bad like there's lots of different kinds of there's cultures of companies that are incredibly effective but I would hate to work out and it would sap the soul out of me um, and there's also companies like the one I run which works brilliantly for me and for the people that I work with but some people wouldn't perform well in it mm. so I think um, culture is incredibly hard time to get right and understand mm. and I think the key is that every company culture is different uh, there's no necessarily good or bad for, for a company but it's what works specifically for them and what they're trying to achieve do you think we put too much pressure on culture I feel like it's become a quite a trendy millennial thing to have like a great office culture but actually do people actually get anything done and the, the, the people are attracted to companies because of the culture but I'm not sure culture is quite enough anymore to it's not a reason you should work somewhere no and I definitely think it should be organic and I think it should come out of what the company stands for and the values that it has rather than it being forced culture so you can put I mean, we've got a slide and ball pit in the office and you could stick a slide and a ball pit in an, a very corporate office and say that we've got a great culture, but it doesn't have the same organic value as actually living what we stand for. So, yeah, I think it's got to come from a real authentic place. Yeah, a place of authenticity. Mm. How do you work out what you stand for as a company? We talk quite a lot about core values and knowing what you're about, but as a company, how do you actually work that out? Is there a, is there a process? Should it just feel organic to you? I think it can happen really naturally at the start, but ultimately it starts with founders, right? Like you guys mm -hmm. have probably experienced this, we've experienced this, like what really matters to you? What's the kind of company you're trying to build? Why are you trying to build it? Who do you want to work with? Mm -hmm. Like what are the things that, I mean, one of the things that we did a long time ago was track back on, we were a team about 15 at the time and we tracked back on what the ingredients were amongst our team that we felt had got us to where we were. So we've been on this, was in a previous company, we've been on this kind of long journey and we arrived at a certain point, which was quite a milestone. And we were like, well, why have the people in this room uh, got to this point? Like, what is it about us and the way that we work together that's meant those have been the ingredients for success? And do we think those are still the relevant things that take us from this milestone onto the next one? And if not, what else do we need to add? And one of the things I think that I view slightly differently from, from some is that I think it's okay for this stuff to change. Like mm -hmm. lots of people see culture as being the thing that needs to stay raw to exactly what it was on the day it was founded. It's just not possible, right? You guys have gone from two to 700 people. Like culture changes. It has to shift in the same way in any organization, any company, any, uh, like country, right? It has to change. And it's about how it changes while still staying true to its authenticity mm -hmm. and true to its goals and what it, and what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. 
and I suppose having the mindset that it's like okay for it to change it kind of it needs to and it's not something that you should be like upset about that you have to allow it to happen mm. yeah definitely but I, I think us working in social media it kind of fits hand in hand anyway that change is going to happen because we could go into the office one day and something could come, completely change on social so we're kind of a bit we're used to that but I think our values we did exactly the same thing with our values we 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 were very successful for a couple of years and then realized that we needed to set our values in place, not just for um, our clients, but also our staff. So they knew what we were standing for as we grew bigger. So we spent a lot of time figuring out why people would want to work for us and what they get out of it, but also what our clients are going to come to us for. Mm-hmm. And that's where our values came from. Mm-hmm. And, and on that, how, how do you bring people into your business? So what do you think sets you apart from other agencies? And when you were running an agency as well, what is what is your experience of that? How can you stand out from competitors? Um, we get a lot of PR because of the work that we do, but also because of Stephen Dom, the founders. So I think we get a lot of attention and we have a lot of people who apply for jobs because they know of what we do already. So we're very lucky in that respect. We've worked very hard to get to that point. Um, and in terms of attracting the right talent, it's, the work and it's making sure we're pushing the work out there and showing people what we're capable of to attract the right talent for what we what we need. What was your experience, Rob, with with agency side? I think like your people are your biggest brand asset, right? I always take you back like ten years ago when I was at uni, and this was when Red Bull were doing all their student brand ambassador thing, and back then it was incredibly new, and these people at universities who are employed by Red Bull to kind of like fly the Red Bull flag literally loved it. They literally loved it. And everywhere you went, everyone knew who they were and you could just tell it was running through them. And they were... Yeah, I remember I had a boyfriend who had a Red Bull car and he was like, you know, one of those minis and he was obsessed with them. He was so cool. Whatever they got right, they got something right where people just literally love Red Bull and they still have that. But so many other companies have managed to copy it now or Mm. managed to emulate the same idea. I think ours was the same. Like the, the best place to find really good people is through your existing really good people. And if you've got them walking out the door every Friday and going talking to people about how great where they work is and how exciting the challenges are and how amazing the vision of the future looks like, then it tends to attract other people. I think that's that's got to be the focus. Mm, like that motivation within the team and it brings other people in. Yeah, I just think like if you have really great people who absolutely fucking love what you do, mm. they're going to tell other really great people. Mm. And that was always the way that we grew before. And is that how you grow in Charlie HR? Yeah, I think you, you have to start being more methodical about it. Like, so one of the things we do is make people in the team list out the four or five people who they've worked with in the past, who they really, really rate, that they want to work with, and then we go and kind of approach them and we get introductions from the team. And if you build an environment where people feel like they want to work alongside people that they respect, people they love, people that they think they can learn from, you tend to find they want to bring those people in. Mm. And, and like, I like our last three out of the last five hires have come from previous colleagues of people in the team who are like, we should work with them, we should work with them, we should work with them. Really? That's amazing. And in terms of getting people to use the product, um, obviously, like with Charlie HR, it's new tech and it's not something people perhaps have heard of before. How did you go about getting customer acquisition? So we, we were we were super lucky in a sense. Well, I say we were lucky. We had a good, really good product team who built something that was really special really early on. And that created word of mouth, which spread. And I think like our customer base is all small companies, right? So it's five to 250 employees. They're not easy to find. They're fragmented all around the world. And so um, there aren't that many channels that are particularly effective at reaching lots of those mm-hmm. kind of disparate communities. 
But every founder knows another founder. And as like, you guys will both know, like, what do you do when you hit a problem? Like, you Google it, maybe, usually you ring someone else who's got the same problem. And we've tend to find that works. So we focus and over-index massively on building a product that works really well, that adds a lot of value, that saves our customers a lot of time and gives them the credibility when some of their founders go, I've got this issue with a solution so that tends to be the way that we've grown it's not easy to manage um, mm. I wish it was something we could like pour more cash into and see it go faster <laughs> but it does mean that we double down on just doing a really really good job mm. which is nice it's also not something you can really put marketing spend behind because if it's word of mouth you just have to rely on the product and, and the people that are using it yeah so it's weird because a lot of our marketing kind of investment just goes into building a better product which is nice it means you can't necessarily control your growth as well but it does mean that you're focusing on solving problems for your customer and not just shouting loudly at them. Mm, that's really nice. With your respective industries, where do you think uh, things are going? So with social, what changes have you seen recently and which way do you think it's headed? Um, there are, There's always changes, but I think the really exciting things for me at the moment is changes in influencer marketing. So we for next year, I think we're going to have a lot more focus on actual um fakery and making sure that the numbers are all correct in what we are buying and what we are looking at um, which is why we created the tool likewise um, and then also in terms of um, platforms tiktok's a really exciting platform it's generating i think it's a 500 million monthly active users and it's the fastest growing downloaded platform oh. in the world so that's a very incredibly exciting one for reaching younger female audiences what's what does the app look like so the app is um it was musically so it's a lip syncing and challenge based app so people will sing along to songs and then challenge their friends to do other things as well so it's very viral mm-hmm. content and it's growing at the speed of knots, but not many brands are taking advantage of it yet. So there's a lot of opportunity to tap into those younger audiences oh. on there. It's, I feel like someone's going to buy it soon. It sounds like something that Google is going to buy any minute now. There's something racing. Um, what, what kind of changes, changes are you seeing in small businesses and just in, in the world of work generally? I, I think the world of work is changing dramatically and incredibly fast and actually driven by a new generation, I think. Probably lots of the generation that you guys work with and probably that you market to. Like, there's a there's a whole different shift in what people want when they come out of school, when they come out of uni and what they're looking for. I guess not just from their careers, but their lives, right? It's mm-hmm. very, very different to our parents' generation. And people want this stuff called purpose. They really care about where they work and what it's doing in the world. They don't necessarily want to work for one company anymore. Mm. But they have lots of different creative ideas and projects and they like working in different ways. So this whole idea of portfolio career where people work, particularly in the creative industries, you see it a lot, working across loads and loads of different stuff rather than necessarily sticking with kind of one brand or one agency. Mm. Um, and then that spawns out a whole load of other things like remote working and flexibility and how people get their best work done. I think a lot of these trends have been happening over the last like 10 years, probably and slowly creeping in. And the tech industry tends to be the ones flying the flag for a lot of it. But Every company now in corporates is starting to recognize that this classic nine to five, sit at a desk in front of a computer, wear a shirt and tie situation mm. is not necessarily the best way of channeling people's efforts. Yeah. And that's why not people, people don't want that anymore. People don't want it anymore. And it's not just that, but I think companies are realizing it's just not as effective as maybe it could be. Do you think we'll see more companies adopting flexible working? 
I think uh, almost every company and corporates have some element of it now. I think people are recognizing that different people work in different ways. Mm. So there's a huge approach to flexibility, which is really exciting, but it comes with its challenges, right? Like the world and society and the way that exists isn't set up for people necessarily to work in this way. So as with anything that's exciting, there's a lot of cracks and companies and individuals have got to work out how to how to manage them through mm, that's really interesting i do think and my dad used to uh, my dad worked for the same company his entire life mm. and the idea of that that from your first ever job to when you retire just being in one company i can't imagine any of my friends ever doing that now you know my friends have been in a company in a job two years and i've been there forever because we do we want to move we want everything we want to travel um so i suppose with what you're doing with charlie hr that's really great because you can also outsource some of your hr to your company so that it's like less burden on a small business? Yeah, well, look, I think what is helping all of these things to happen is technology, right? Because communication is easier across different uh, channels and you have instant messaging and um, various forms of project management software which enable those things to happen. And what we're trying to do is say, well, look, we can give you some of the tools to make this stuff easier. It doesn't solve all your problems, but it definitely gives you the platform upon which you can start to make more empowered decisions about how you run your company and for your people to make more empowered decisions about how they do their best work. Is there anything you think still really has to change that hasn't? In uh, across everything. Yeah, across across business, like any particular parts of running a business that you think hasn't been solved by technology yet. I mean, I've just signed up for QuickBooks. I'm really into it. Only, <laughs> I used to do my tax return by hand. <laughs> Genuinely. I think lots of things are getting. I think lots of these problems are getting solved. I think that there's a huge difference between. Uh, kind of a, a small company in, I don't know, somewhere on the outskirts of an urban environment and through to like a big corporate and the way that they're running things and the way that they're doing stuff. So I think there's a huge amount to change. What we're trying to do is tackle small businesses specifically because they tend to get left behind, right? Mm-hmm. Like technology and, and, um, software tends to get built for enterprise because that's where the people are that write big checks and small companies tend to struggle. There aren't a huge number of QuickBooks or zeros in the world. Um, but we think that that's where all the exciting stuff happens. We think that in the small companies of today are the ones that are going to be the big companies tomorrow. Yeah. And um, we want to build tools to help those guys. Yeah, and then you can grow with them. It's a plan. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, guys. If people would like to find out more about you and your companies, where can they find you online and on social? Uh, we are at www.charliehr.com. And yeah, we are www.socialchain.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you. True, thanks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you've enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so more people can find the show. And if you're feeling inspired and thinking of pursuing a creative project of your own, then there's a home for you at Work Life. You can find out more at work.life. been a candy store production for work life hosted by angelica malin and produced by van connor t-shirt weather by poddington bear appears under creative commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with work life visit work.life for more information and you can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.